This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, helping you become a better language learner by providing motivating weekly inspiration, as well as top tips and tricks from expert guests. And now, your host, Chris Broholm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 105 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. I'm really excited to be bringing you guys another episode, and what an episode it is. It's a great pleasure for me to be able to say that every week I'm joined by amazing language learners, industry experts, and just people who have achieved something I would say is well over the extraordinary. And this week is no different. I'm joined by a person I greatly admire. Her name is Lydia Makova, and she's from Slovakia. And I first got to know of Lydia back in, I believe it's the first political gathering I went to, maybe the second one, when she did a interpreting workshop. And it was had limited seating, and, and since I didn't speak many languages, I still really don't speak that many languages, <laughs> but um, I didn't go to it, so I, I never knew who Lydia was. And then uh, a year or so later... Lydia actually came up to me and said, hey, I, I like the podcast and, and thank you for what you're doing. And I didn't know it was Lydia. So I, I was just kind of saying, oh, cool, great to meet you. And we had a little chat and suddenly the, the penny dropped. And I was uh, really excited to get to know know Lydia, but also a little bit annoyed that I hadn't met her before because she's really amazing. And this interview has taken some time to get together. We've been talking about doing it for a long time. But, uh, of course, scheduling is always a difficulty, and we've had the holiday seasons and uh, so on and so forth. But now Lydia is here, and we're going to talk this week about some of her passions, which include language learning, of course, but also interpreting with languages and some practical tips and advice for that, and also her kind of concept of language mentoring. I know that there are people who do this. I've heard of other people doing it as well, but I certainly haven't seen many do it to the extent that Lydia does. And it's a great idea built on the, I guess it was Churchill, or maybe it's one of those misappropriated quotes, but he said that I do not always appreciate being taught, but I'm always willing to learn or something along those lines. You know what I mean. And um, yeah, so if you enjoy the episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, I don't know, do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> if you want to leave an iTunes review, you can go to actualfluency.com forward slash iTunes. And don't forget, also, just a last thing here, if you want to support the show with a few bucks a month, then you can go to actualfluency.com forward slash support, which is going to take you to the Patreon page. I try to do Patreon events once in a while, including posting the episodes well in advance, usually more than 24 hours, sometimes just a few hours before. But um, yeah, go check it out, support the show, and enjoy it. Yeah, first of, and foremost, of course, welcome to the podcast. It's been a, a long time coming. And Thank you very much. Uh, do you want to give the listeners a little introduction to yourselves? Like, how did you get into languages and, you know, chose it as a career and everything? Let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Sure. Okay. But a quick story, I suppose, because otherwise it will take ages, <laughs> as with m most people on your show, right? Um, well, so I, I started with uh, English and, and German at school, like everybody else here in Slovakia. 
Um, it was just normal classes at school, but I soon figured out that I liked the languages very much, so I started learning them by myself as well. And then the breakthrough moment came at the university when I was learning Spanish. I took an extra class at the university and uh, it didn't work out very well. Uh, I didn't like the, the teacher, the lessons and anything else. So I figured once that I have the book, I can just continue with it by myself. And I did a lot of additional activities, like I downloaded uh, the Harry Potter book as an ebook and an audiobook, And then I just listened to it and read it at the same time every day for 20 minutes. And then just magic happens, you know, and I suddenly speak Spanish after half a year and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And that was the breakthrough moment when I realized that, okay, if I, if I put a lot of work into it in a short period of time, it can actually work and I can learn the language much faster. And so then after that, every two years, more or less, I took on another language and I spent a lot of time learning it until I spoke it up to a level where I was quite happy with it. I was, let's say, fluent. Yeah, that's the magical word <laughs> for you. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I, I keep doing ever since. And I'm, I'm working on my eighth language right now, which is Russian. Awesome, awesome. And what do you think were the main differences going back to, like you say, you said you had some success in languages and then Spanish was very different. What was what was it that Spanish was not doing that the other languages had been doing for you at that time? Yeah, I think I think the uh, the way I was learning Spanish, uh, the official way, you know, at the, the university having a lesson with a teacher once a week was just so, so bad and so un inefficient. That it couldn't be otherwise. I, if I if I didn't if I hadn't learned by myself, I wouldn't have spoken any Spanish at all. So I I would have just given up on that. Uh, whereas my English and German classes at school were quite good, and I learned quite a lot in them as well. So I guess this was the main difference. So just a quality teacher or syllabus or just yes. generally. Yeah, I mean there were twenty five people in in the class, and we met once a week. So wow. you can imagine, yeah, you can imagine how how well we learned Spanish, right? Yeah, uh, I guess nobody learned Spanish that day. <laughs> no, of course not. But I, I realized that I mean this cannot possibly work. You know, it's just once a week. There's so many people. We do such stupid things in the lessons. Like this cannot work. This cannot be. I, I will not be able to speak Spanish. So then I realized I need to do something else. And I'm very glad for, for this experience now in retrospect. Right. Because it's helped me a lot in life. Well, that's you great. Know? Yeah, that's really great. Actually, it's funny. I just listened to an episode of Tim Ferriss' podcast where he talks about how very successful people always say that a struggle was necessary or a, kind of a, a problem led to a solution. And if yeah. you ask those people, would you do the same again? They would all say yes. Because exactly. whereas some other people might say, well, I would have preferred just to learn Spanish the first time, but actually it turned out much better. And of course, you, you, you turned it into a career as well. Can you talk a little about, about that? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm very grateful for, for that, uh, for this moment, for, for the bad experience with the teacher and the, and the lessons, because I realized this is not how languages can be taught. I mean, for anyone, not just for me. And then I realized, but this is how it's done, actually. You know, yeah. everybody in the world learns the languages more or less in the same way. They go to a course, they do it once or twice a week, they use one single book, they do a few exercises, they act like they actually learn something, but it doesn't work at all. So I, I realized that you need to put a lot of more time into it, but how to do it? Because the lessons are always constructed in a way where um, the teacher is supposed to teach you, right? This is the main thing that we always expect. Like, well, he's called a teacher, right? Yeah. So he's supposed to spoon feed you the language and all you need to do is pay for the lesson, come there for the lesson once or twice a week, 
and then the teacher does the job, right? Because he's a good teacher, so he should. And then you go come home and then you suddenly speak the language. But then you see so many people who are struggling or they're just so desperate because it doesn't work. And I was thinking about these things for years. And, and there was a book that I, uh, that I read, which really helped me understand the Eureka moment, you know? It's called <laughs> uh, From English Teacher to Learn a Coach. An, ama- an amazing book, really, which um, uh, t- showed me that uh, language learning should be kind of like the Weight Watchers groups, where people, uh, if, if people lose weight and they're in a group, you know, they, they let's say they meet once a week, uh, Tuesdays, but they don't lose weight on Tuesday at 6 p.m. when they meet. They lose weight the whole during the whole week, and when they meet, uh, that's when they just discuss it mm. and motivate each other and support each other, right? And the idea of that book is this is how language teaching should be done as well. So the teacher should turn into a learner coach. And I really loved that idea. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I believe as well. And this is how the idea of language mentoring started to build up. Awesome. And we'll get back into that in, in, in just a moment. And uh, of course, we met at the gathering for the first time, which was actually a funny story. But the first gathering, you talked about uh, interpreting. Yeah. And I know a lot of people out there are very interested in way I know all these languages. I'm I'm a language genius, like uh, you know people who are not me. Uh, they want to know what can they use the languages for. And, and I I wonder if you just wanted to take a, a minute or two to talk about uh, being an interpreter as a career way. Of course, of course. Well, yeah, that's that's what I studied. I um, I work as a professional interpreter basically, even though I don't do that very much now anymore. I concentrate on my other project. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great thing to do. It's it's an amazing job, but it's not like, okay, I'm a polyglot, speak a lot of languages, what can I do? Oh, okay, interpreting, I'll try it. Let's try a, a job, you know, an assignment tomorrow. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Uh, you really need to train to, to be an interpreter, and I think many people underappreciate it. <laughs> So they, they suppose they can they can do it much faster. But um, just the idea of simultaneous interpreting, mm. where you listen at the same time, you speak at the same time, is not something you can just do. I mean, there are some people who are who have better prerequisites for that, who are maybe a little bit more talented, because I think talent does play a certain role in interpreting. Uh, but you still need to train a lot. I mean, I know because I, I trained interpreters for four years while doing my PhD in Bratislava, and I can tell, you know, the students when you when you give them the first assignment, you you show them a text, uh, maybe you read it or you you play a little recording, and you let them interpret. They find out that okay, this is difficult. You know, I need to <laughs> practice this. I need to learn how to listen at the same time and then speak and then form the sentences so that they actually have an ending. You know, because most people they will just stop in the middle of the sentence and then process another piece of information. So this is what's difficult about it. Yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to say that it cannot be trained. I mean, even I think people can learn it even by themselves, but uh, it does take a lot of practice. And uh, interpreting is not something you can do for any of your languages. Like I, I speak several languages uh, up to certain levels, but I will I only basically interpret it English mostly. A little bit of German, a tiny little bit of Polish, but mostly English because your vocabulary needs to be very vast and you need to be able to think quickly in that language. You, you cannot just, you know, if you're on a B2 level, forget about it. That's All right. not for interpreting for sure. Well, that's cool, and I want to get back into the levels in a second as well, but you said something interesting, and that was the idea that we can't just 
<laughs> equate language skill with interpreting skill and I, I, I think it was Amir, I don't, I don't know if you know him, uh, from Kazakhstan, who told me that if you want to see how good or bad you can be at interpreting, try to read the news, uh, re basically repeat what the guy in the news is saying in the language he's speaking. So just from English to English. <laughs> and yeah, he's, shut away exercise. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty difficult. <laughs> so I can only mm -hmm. imagine, you know, how hard it must be without training to just go in and expect to speak English after somebody is speaking Slovak or yeah. Spanish or Czech or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, it's, we... it's a very good exercise, though. I mean, shadowing is perfect. I, I think both for language learning and for interpreters. Uh, I often did it with my students, and we started with Slovak into Slovak, right? So the same language. And then I let them do it with English or another foreign language. And it was like, oh, this is difficult. Yeah. And even the better one is where you paraphrase it. So you have to change every single part of the sentence right. to have the same meaning, but say it in different words. Because this is what interpreting is really about, you know? Yeah. You don't work with words. It's not like many people, you know, many people imagine that interpreters are these automatic Google translators, which just switch on and they go word after word and they translate it. But it doesn't work like that. You always work with ideas. And then you say it in different words. So right. for that, you need a really big vocabulary in your working languages. Yeah, and also there are some structural problems in some languages that just make that almost impossible, I guess. I mean, if you're interpreting from German into English and, and the German person is speaking like a huge sentence, it's impossible yeah. to translate on a word-by-word -word basis because you're going to have to wait for the verb for exactly. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 simultaneous interpreting from German is quite tricky sometimes. But there are there are strategies that you can, how you can go around it, but you need to learn them and practice them actively, right. consciously. Well, great. I hope that uh, we inspired some uh, some people out there to to go down that route because it's I, I definitely seen from from your experience that it can really open up some doors that you didn't didn't expect. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's awesome. And yeah, it's, it's an awesome job. So if you, if anyone is interested, I really suggest that you look at uh, the university courses that are offered nearby, and then you know apply yourself to the studies for one or two years, preferably. And then, well, yeah, I mean, the, the, jobs is, the job is really interesting because you get to meet a lot of interesting people. Sometimes you get to meet really, really interesting speakers, you know, like Tony Robbins or some, someone yeah. like that. Um, that's, that's one of the moments where you think, oh, my God, I'm so blessed with this job <laughs> because I wouldn't possibly meet this person ever. So Yeah, Tony Robbins' seminar, I guess, starts at something like five to $10,000 a, a person. So yeah. if you get the chance to actually come and meet him, that's a... Uh... That's exactly. huge. Um, going back into like uh, just general language learning, um, and I, I guess we can we can talk about language mentoring as well. But one of the interesting things for me is is looking at how to get from intermediate or at least upper beginner into the really good levels, like the interpreting, uh, you know, the C one, C twos, and as a sort of beginner to the whole thing, it seems like there's a lot of material from how to say you know the weather is nice and you know, the beginner levels but it seems that the materials get less and less as you progress um, do you have any sort of general strategies and ideas on on how to go over that hump because i think a lot of people can get to the touristy level the order at the restaurant or you know there's enough help out there but then they hit that intermediate wall how do we how do we get really good at a language because as a as somebody with a, a history in interpreting and still doing it, then you must be one of the best to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
I'm, I'm also I also deal with this question quite a lot uh, when I'm trying to help people how to learn languages, and this is um, I think this is exactly the point where you don't really need a teacher anymore. Right. Um, many people do need a teacher at the beginning because they don't have the motivation, the perseverance, etc. But once that you're able to read most of the text, you know, you understand 80% of what's written in any text, then you're good to go. And what you need then, I believe, is is four things. It's like the four pillars of my of my system. Well, first of all, you need to figure out a way how this can be fun for you. So I really honestly believe that people cannot learn languages well if they do something without fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need it doesn't doesn't need to be fun like you know lol, lol fun you know <laughs> <laughs> rumble fun. But it, you need to enjoy the activities you do. So whatever you do, make sure that you like it. If you don't, then just put the book away and put the recordings away and just find something else. Right. The second thing is you need to do a lot of it. And I think this is the crucial point because many people think that they can just, you know, read a few texts in the textbook and then they will, you know, be on the B2 level. But I think the good knowledge of a language comes from vast material. So mm. you need to read a lot of books, listen to a lot of recordings, a lot of them, and speak a lot of lessons, well, spend a lot of hours speaking with people, practicing, you know, like with tutors, etc. And not only you need, do you need to do a lot of it, but also very frequently. So it yeah. doesn't help if you if you do it once a week and you spend eight hours with it because your brain needs time to process it and to sleep on it, etc. So what I suggest to do is to do it every day in little bits and pieces. So that gives us um, fun, quantity, frequency, and then the last one is a system. You're right. I think that if you have a system, if you have a plan, if you know how to do things, if you know why you're doing this and how you're going to achieve your goals, then you're good to go, you know, all you need to do is to spend the time with it, with the activities that right. you enjoy doing, so it's not it's not a nuisance, you just enjoy it, and then you can really very easily get into the level where you're comfortable with the language. Right. I think that's good, and the systematizing obviously is a, I guess it's a protection against our own overwhelmedness, you know, if you have a system then you don't need to worry about your self-discipline because you just kind of do it. Exactly. And, and um, I, I think another problem is that it's it's not easy, but it's it's you know going from let's say A zero to A two is you know uh, quite a lot less effort compared to going from just you know, B one to B two. Exactly. And it just gets harder and harder, or the material you need is is vaster and vaster. And I don't know if that's a word, but, but now it, it is. It also gets more interesting because you don't need to work with a simplified text anymore. You can just use anything. You know. Yes. And this is this is something that that's I useful, and it was yeah. another another breakthrough moment for me when I realized that if you don't understand something at the beginning, just give it time and keep doing it for a longer time, and then it will just come. This is how I started watching, for example, Sex and the City in French, you know, <laughs> in French. And I, I watched it all, like all the series before in English, so I knew more or less what it would be about. But after the first episode, I didn't understand anything. Really? It was just lost, like, oh no, like, I thought I, I spoke a little bit French, but after half a year or so, and I didn't understand almost anything. But I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll just give it more time and frequency, you know, every day I'll watch an episode. And then after, I don't know, seven, eight, ten episodes, suddenly things started to make sense. So this is what I always uh, always um, recommend to everyone. Work with a material you like, something yeah. you're interested in, and then do it every day. And don't, don't get discouraged if it doesn't work, uh, because it, it never works, because you don't have the vocabulary, you're not used to the, uh, the voices of the actors, you're not used to the, you know, you don't know what they will mention. Yeah. Uh, but once you get 
the idea, then that helps you a lot. Yeah, and they don't use the annoying dubbing system, do they? They use the straight dubbing. So there's yes, it, yeah, yes. not yeah. like Polish or Russian. Ugh, it's like <laughs> you, it's so confusing. I, I'm watching House with Russian dubbing, and it's just I mean, it's just so, so can, difficult. Yeah, but you can use to it, right? Well, you get used you get used to it where it's not annoying. But I still the problem is my brain will I guess forever uh, kind of prefer English. So mm. it's listening out for the English instead of paying attention to the Russian. Right. And it's like, it's really tricky to, because when you watch TV, you just kind of zone out, right? You don't really, you don't watch TV actively. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like I need to do that. And it can be quite exhausting, actually. Whereas mm -hmm. if I'm watching something, you know, with Hungarian dubs, the, the ones I've seen, they, they were dubbed like the French one. Mm -hmm. And there's no thinking because you don't have a choice. There's no subtle English in the background. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's easier for sure. So I don't understand who came up with that. Uh, Russian people must be geniuses because they can just zone that other thing out. Uh, but um, yeah. yeah, definitely actually knowing the story and knowing some of the lines that the, the mm. actors would be saying is very helpful i think um mm. but of course i also watch i also try to watch a, a comedy show i also like uh, basledni's magic Khan. i don't know if you've uh -huh. seen any of it it's, no, it's hilarious no. um and it's actually well, I, I recommend kuchnia to yeah you. yeah uh, some people have said that to me and and i didn't i didn't get a chance to check it out yet but maybe when i reach the next season of one of the other shows i'll, I'll swap it in and see Sure. Uh, what happens because there's no dubbing it's, there so that's that's no, no, good no no it's an original series <laughs> and it shows a part of the russian culture as well it's really well done oh, right. is my favorite russian series for sure well you've sold me out i'm gonna have to give <laughs> right. it a try but one thing i yeah, wanted to say now just to add like if you if some people have a problem understanding the first episodes because they have no idea what the series is about or something what i recommend doing is just check the short description of that episode on, on wikipedia mm. because if you just go list off the name of the series episodes you're going to find it for sure you know like list of friends episodes yeah. for example and then you just look i do it for example okay i watched an episode in french let's say um, um a series that i i didn't really understand it and uh right after that it was like what were they talking about what was this all about i mean you understand from the reactions she was happy about it he was not he was angry etc but then you look at it like oh he was breaking up with her oh my god that makes so much sense now and sometimes i watch back part of the episode mm. and it suddenly falls into places it's, it's amazing yeah that's a good tip sometimes you can get completely lost and be like what is this about? I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did it with my Russian tutor, actually. Uh, it's a recommended activity as well, where she said, go and watch 10 minutes of this show. It was something about a ship. I think it was called The Ship, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, well, how can it be called The Ship if it's in Russian? Hmm. <laughs> it probably wasn't called The Ship. <laughs> I'm probably thinking of something else. But it was um, like people on a ship, and it's like doomsday. And, and, uh, and when I went over the episode with her, I would have an idea of what it was based mostly on what I saw. And then she would tell me, but Chris, this is what happened. And I was like, huh, interesting. I didn't really get that. But yeah, now that you did say I, Did I watch the correct one? Yeah. Is it, you mean this episode? <laughs> so right. that's, that's pretty funny. But I, I think one of the most important things that you said also was just, you have to spend the time. Like yeah. you can get to a touristy level in three months and you know, you can be, do that well and, and, and understand a lot for, for your level. But if you want mastery in a language, which I think C1, C2 would be considered as, 
it, there's no substitute for hard work, you know. It's, there is no shortcut. Yeah. No, you just have also, to put the work. I also in. think it's it's very rewarding to spend the time because otherwise you lose it. Yeah. If you just spend two or three months with a language, uh, I saw some people do it for the Polyglot conference, for example. You know, they learn some Greek, and now they're excited to learn some Icelandic, which is <laughs> nice. But I think they're honestly losing that time yeah. because in the long run, you're not going to remember anything from that language if you don't use it anymore. Yeah. But I believe there is there is a point where you get uh, when you when you learn 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 a lot, and then you get and I for me personally I think it's a, a comfortable B two level. Once you get on that level, you're not going to lose it. I mean, of course you're going to get a little bit. It's gonna get a little bit rusty sure. and you need to refresh upon it, etc. But you're not going to completely lose the language. Whereas if you don't get to that comfortable point, then I mean, too bad. I mean, good that you enjoy the activity of learning the language, but you're not going to be able to use it in two years for sure. Right. And I think the activity itself is just very rewarding. It's a brain activity. You know, it's good to keep you, your brain active and, and yeah, you I can love it too. see your improvement. And if you go to all these polygon events, you also meet people who are doing the same thing. You can exchange notes. You can even speak to them sure. a little bit. And I, I, I did that. I think that was one of the first time I did that recently. Um, and I, I you know, I'm 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 a beginner for most of this, uh, but uh, I I see a lot of people go to somewhere like the gathering or the conference, and they practice their languages. And I know that I'm I don't do that very much at all. Like I speak a bit of German, but since we're usually in Berlin, it's like people are like, yeah, of course everyone speaks German, you know. So uh, I spoke some Russian uh, here in in uh, Greece in Thessaloniki with mm -hmm. a uh, Greek guy. And so that was very exciting to kind of be two people who weren't very good at it. Like he was better mm -hmm. than me, but we were both pretty bad. Uh, so that was kind <laughs> of supportive, you know, we could, because when you're speaking to a native speaker, it can get very daunting because you yes. feel like if you're, if you're not good enough, you feel like you're kind of wasting their time a little bit or testing their <laughs> patience or, and um, if you're, you know, good enough, you get to a point, of course, where it's natural conversation. But then again, you need to be ridiculously high level to have a, a, a meaningful conversation as you would have in English. So yeah. there's a little sweet spot, I guess, where you need to be good enough to keep the conversation going. But if you're not, unless you're really good, then you might as well speak English, so. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends. I mean, I'm, I'm either in this practice mode or use the language mode. So I, I, I prefer myself to get into the level where I can use it more or less comfortably. It can be a B1. I mean, I'm able to say things in very, very simple terms and then uh, have the conversation. But fluency is very important to me because if you, if you have a conversation with a native speaker or someone who speaks the language well, and it's painful for them to wait for you to finish the sentences and, and you misunderstand each other half of the time, it's not really a conversation, no. is it? Yeah. But you see, I think this is actually one of the keys to learning a language. And I'm not trying to figure out a way how to help my, my students and my clients understand this. Because like when I was learning Spanish, for example, uh, we, were, we were out with some Spanish friends. I met a lot of uh, Spanish Erasmus students. And I wanted to tell them because they, they, they were a little hungry. And I wanted to suggest that we go into, into a place which was nearby, a shopping center. And they had a lot of restaurants, you know, at the restaurant corner, you know, and I wanted to suggest we go there and we pick some food. And the only thing I was able to say, to suggest this was, en esa casa hay mucha comida. It's like, in that house, there is a lot of food, <laughs> you know, which is a very, very simple Spanish. Right. But it, it worked. It worked, yeah. Was, yeah, it worked. It, it served the purpose and the girls started to laugh, but they understood the gist. 
and we went there and we picked some food, you know, and this is how I was communicating at that time. My Spanish was not good enough. I was not able to say it in a better way. So you need to you need to make it as simple as possible, but keep the fluency. And yeah, this is what I what I try to do. And that's also using what you have instead of waiting until much later and just delaying exactly. it. But it's very tough. I mean, for me, definitely doing that, what you just did there, is, it's really tough for me. I, I always run through the sentence five times in my head. And if I don't really like it, I don't say it. And <laughs> um, <laughs> right. so that's that's my uh, sort of perfectionist problem there. Mm-hmm. But I think in that general, stand in the way. Yeah. yeah, you have to make more mistakes, I guess it's a good tip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Branching into the idea of language mentoring, uh, do you want to just, you know, uh, tell us the elevator pitch for 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 your <laughs> your your activity and 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 sort of, yeah, how did you, when did you consider to turn it into a more serious practice? Yeah, well, it's it's something that I've been I've been doing for quite a long time, trying to help people learn languages because they started to ask me, you know, of course, someone speaks more languages, like, oh, how do you do it? Tell me more about it. And I realized people don't really understand, like they really need to spend time learning the language. So this is basically my mission, trying to help people learn languages by themselves. This is what language mentoring is about. And it's not done in the way that languages are taught in schools and language schools, but rather the way that polyglots learn languages. So, I mean, we actually have a very similar job in this sense, because (laughs) you also try to figure out how polyglots learn languages. And your podcast, by the way, helped me a lot to understand that as well. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you. That's nice of you. And yeah, and I also recommend it to to anyone. So I hope you have a lot of new listeners because of that. And anyway, so try to take uh, the the best out of what polyglots do because polyglots are not so special people. You know, they just do things differently. And I think anyone can apply those principles. And the the four pillars that I've mentioned already, it's it's something that is I think the core of the way polyglots learn languages. Right. I believe that. Yeah, I so think this, I, I think I agree with that, yeah. Hmm. So this is what I try to do. I help people do that, and then, then I motivate them to, to stick with it, stick with a plan, like to create a learning plan, uh, which is totally in, individual for themselves, for their own needs. So for example, I believe if someone wants to be able uh, be able to speak the language, they don't necessarily need to be able to write it. No. I don't. I don't think people should practice all the skills at the same time. I think they should pick some priorities and concentrate on them. You know? yeah. and, and, then, and then you see a lot of improvement in that area in a short period of time, and that motivates you to, to continue and to uh, continue learning. Because um, I think one of the most important things that uh, supports success is success. Right. So once you see success in little periods, then you want to continue with For them. sure. And, uh, with b- bigger ones. And, and that's, I mean, we could get into a whole... Uh, range of ideas for in terms of increasing motivation but i guess having a person that you're kind of accountable to is is a good first step and that's what you provide to your uh, students and uh, people could do this for themselves as well they can have they can find partners in crime who are both learning russian or maybe they have a i don't know some pen pal or international friend or or something that you can just say for instance i i skype every week with my friend tom from uh, from france and Mm -hmm. you know we're not learning the same languages and we're not the same we don't have the same strategies we don't use the same materials but we just kind of meet up every week and just say last week i did this and this week i plan to do this awesome and that's just basic accountability and i think uh, and i I think that's the biggest change actually uh, because people don't 
need to learn languages. At least most people don't. Most people are inspired to learn languages on, I think, on a bit of a whim, you know, where it's just, oh, it could be fun to try. And then... Oh, you think so? Yeah, I think that, um, well, certainly speaking of numbers, but the people who are successful are obviously people who are very interested or very obsessed. Yeah, I mean, polyglots are a special group, right? Exactly, yeah. But I'm thinking of people who, who, like, just one day they're like oh it could be it could be nice which is a common sentence said mm. by by the outsiders <laughs> <laughs> um and i just think that they do it on a sort of a whim and they don't realize that if there are no consequences to not doing it then it's very hard to do it yeah i think this is maybe more typical of the community of people really interested in languages but my goal is to help people who are not that crazy about languages right. not that interested in them but they need them for some reason like Most one people, language or many languages do you, uh, well, do you differentiate I, work, I usually i usually yeah i usually work with people who who need one or two languages so in slovakia everybody wants to speak english of sure. course which is still a big issue like people are not that good at it they don't they cannot use it professionally so they want to improve but they're not necessarily very interested in the language itself so what i'm trying to do is to help them find the little things they could get interested in and then work on them right so for example i realized that some people just love working with apps and they are you know they're just crazy about it so i i help them work with anki or another app you know to learn vocabulary but then some people you you show them the app and they go like nah this is not really my thing i mean looking at the screen again no so i tell them about the gold list method for example yeah okay you can write it in person i mean you can write it in in hand so that that's uh i think this is what everybody needs like an individual approach like kind of find the best the best pieces of all the methods that are available out there right and and then if, if someone is not that crazy about languages what they need is a system and a plan so once you create a habit i mean you know it very well yourself habits are really powerful yeah. once you have it you just stick to it and once you have a plan like okay i'm just gonna do this for two months and then but at the end of the two months i'm gonna decide what to do that's you know that's doable yeah. whereas if someone decides okay i'm gonna learn french now so, oh my god that's a long way it's <laughs> you know, just too much work and after the first month they usually quit so i for think sure. this is what helps you know to have a system and to realize okay this, i'm just gonna do this for two months then i'll see what i what i do next right and what would you say are the kind of um do you need a teacher and a mentor or can the mentor sometimes be the teacher yeah i, I don't i don't think people really need teachers uh most people right um at the beginning, it can be useful, but the problem is, I mean, a teacher, you know, how do we define a teacher? This is the question, because I think a good teacher is more of a, a tutor, yeah. a guide, you know, a mentor. You can actually call it in any way a coach, any way you like, but I don't think the teacher should teach the stuff. They shouldn't spoon feed you, and most of all, they shouldn't explain stuff to you, which you're not really interested in. Right. So this is, I think this is one of the main mistakes that we do in, in our language teaching, that we tell people about grammar, which their brain hasn't even you know, figured out that exists. Yeah. And this is what, for example, Asimil and Simil courses are based on. First you notice stuff, and then when you're curious about it, then they tell you about it. Yes. But not really like, okay, this is the future tense we did it. Da, 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 you know, all the declination forms. They tell you, hey, look, this is the like, this is the future tense. So just, you know, just notice it. It's and strange. And when you go like, okay, tell me, you know, you can work with a teacher, teacher, whatever. And you say, okay, tell me how, how do I say this in the future tense? Uh-huh. And how do I say it for the second person, etc. And this is when you can actually learn to use the language because you are already curious. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And curiosity is one of my defining characteristics of successful polygods. I think that people who are learning a lot of languages are naturally curious. They want to know what does that word mean? What does that ending mean? What does that, yeah. you know, grammar uh, def define? Uh, and I exactly. think I would like to transform. Oh, well, I mean, that's a bit of an ambitious plan, but I'd like to make language teaching better because I think we need language teaching in school in some yeah. form or another. You, it, I mean, I'd like it to be more um, autonomous as well, but I think that for people, let's say kids, kids who are maybe age 10, 8 or something, I don't know when, when the most of the world starts a second language, but it's probably around there. And I just think that they need to be guided more than, say, adults. Um, mm -hmm. But it would be nice still to try and, and make some improvements to the the old way of doing it because I think we the old way is kind of a linear progression. You're kind of yes. learning from zero and you add step one, step two, step three, step four. Whereas I, I think speech is more of a puzzle where you kind of you connect the dots in a way. And exactly. sometimes you use this area of the puzzle a lot, and sometimes you use something over here. Um, yeah. But you can do a lot, which. Benny Lewis, for instance, has, has exemplified that like, you can do a lot with very few words and you can do a lot yeah. with very few, very little study. And likewise, you can spend, let's say, four years on a university degree and speak nothing, you know, just maybe you can exactly. read a poem or something. But you, if somebody says, how are you? They're like, uh, I don't know, you know, four <laughs> yeah. years later. And um, it would be nice if the if the teaching was more relevant. But I, I suppose Absolutely. speaking of speaking of relevancy, that's not so relevant to mentoring, but um well, it's it is actually. It's an important it is point, actually. This anyway. is one of my one of my missions as well. I, I would like to change the way languages are, are taught in schools and in general. And this is actually what is almost. I mean, it's already happening in Slovakia and in, in little ways because uh, in the summer, I worked with English teachers and I wanted to introduce the, the whole idea of language mentoring to them. But I didn't do it like, okay, this is a course how we, you can help your students learn. But this is a course for you yourselves, how mm. you can improve your English, how you can work on your language. And they got so passionate about it. Yeah. You know, they were really eager. They spent a lot of time working on their English. They loved it. And now they're passing it on to their students. And I have a few teachers in, in the group who actually tried it with even with students of 10, 11 years old. You know, and, and, it, and it works really well because you motivate people to, uh, to learn by themselves, to not just wait what happens in the lessons. And then these people notice that they are getting better, you know, and the teachers said, well, the, the results were great. The students who spent a lot of time learning English outside of the lessons, like watching Peppa Pig or whatever, you yeah. know, just cartoons and on YouTube, they were a lot better in two months than the students who just came to the lessons and did the homework. Of course. So yeah. it's, it's definitely something that can be done. And this is exactly my, my goal and my mission to explore it and to find the best ways that people people can learn languages by themselves I, I believe in the power of that so me, much me too well in fact i believe people can learn anything they want uh, yes they it's very tough to become like the best in the world at anything let's say speaking russian or playing the violin but i think anyone can get in the top you know one percent or point one percent or whatever mm -hmm. and really enjoy most of the benefits Yes. Um, but we should do a non-profit. We should create a non-profit for how to uh, improve school learning across the world. That would be fun. Yeah, that sounds interesting. That's our, uh, our little charity. It's a huge project, though. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't have to do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we can work on it slowly. But it's interesting for me because I think that the early experiences with languages really define your future. So if you get a bad language experience, let's say at English in grade uh, f two or three or four 
I think it's very hard for you as an adult to come back and try it again, or even as a young adult. And so, I think we would improve into um, the interconnection between countries and cultures greatly if we just open people's eyes to different languages at an earlier age than is is currently happening. Because, mm. like, if you're in, let's say, you're in uh, Russia or Hungary, maybe everything is dubbed. You know, you don't need foreign languages. And maybe that foreign language in school is totally boring. It's a teacher with like a super local accent. Uh, mm -hmm. So it doesn't really feel that exciting. And you just want to skip every class. And, you know, you have the outliers once in a while, right? But yeah. generally, I think if we can improve that foundation, then we can improve the whole uh, puzzle, hopefully. Who knows? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is this is also one thing I like to stress to people. Uh, learn in a way which they can use in practice, which is interesting, which is relevant to them. Right? Yeah. And this is why I don't think working with one book for every every student, you know, reading the same text that someone wrote, a teacher who has no idea about these kids. Yeah. You know, uh, reading it doesn't make much sense. So that's why I think people should read stuff that interests them in person. Yeah. And these are amazing, amazing examples of people who, who's, let's say, their English is not on a very good level, but they're really interested in, I don't know, photography. And they can read really complex text about photography and they understand it. Yeah. Where I, I wouldn't understand it, you know. So this is because they're interested in and and that's why I that's what I supporting uh, supporting people. Try to find the materials you're interested in and you'll understand so much more, so much better. Yeah. And this this could of course apply uh, be applied to kids as well. I mean, trying to give them texts that are interesting for them and then make them learn it and, and read it at, uh, in their free time. Sure. Yeah, and of course now we have the internet and the digital world where we can update books all the time. So for instance, if if I wrote a book for a new English student who's maybe 10 years old, maybe I'd write about Pokemon Go or something, which is a huge hit. And exactly. then 10 years from now, we could update it to talk about whatever the latest craze is, yeah. you know. Um, so just having those connections would, would be very beneficial. So, yeah. yeah, let's see what we can do in that space over the next uh, sure. <laughs> period of time. Well, this is the, the thing you mentioned. I mean, having the Internet, that's, that's a huge thing for, I, I believe, for, for all this philosophy that we're talking about. Uh, because I, I, I'm not sure how people learn languages 20 or 30 years ago. I honestly admire them. If they only yeah. had books and some, you know... Uh, recorded recorded tapes or something <laughs> that took a lot of hard work yeah. which was probably not always that much fun uh, but today you have so many websites where you learn English for free so many apps and programs I think the problem now is to find your way around them yeah. and like to pick one and stick with it because there's too many so this is also one of my I ideas agree. to help people kind of uh, find themselves in the labyrinth of materials and just you know, create a plan and stick stick with it and then do it until you speak the language fluently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Well, let's now move on to one of our favorite events of the year, which is the Prague Gathering. Yay. And of course, uh, as you, uh, you said before we started recording, uh, the next one is going to be even more special yes. because it's going to be in, in your neck of the woods. So you're actually going to organize the, what is it, the fourth? or that's right. fifth it's that's the, fourth. the fourth one yes in Bratislava next year so yeah that's big news yeah people uh, don't know it but most people don't know it yet or well maybe I don't know your listeners if they, if they caught it uh, well now they know <laughs> yay that's right now they know so yeah it's gonna be in Bratislava it's gonna uh, be awesome it's gonna start on the 31st of May it's gonna be the welcome evening and then up to 4th of June 
And it's going to be an awesome event. I really can't, I can't wait to, to have all the polyglots come to Bratislava and Slovakia and to explore the country, you know, and to have another great event. I mean, the polyglot gatherings are awesome. We all yeah, know that. I <laughs> Anyone agree. who's been knows that they're really, really nice. And it's my favorite, one of my favorite events of the year. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited about it too. Uh, of course, I love Berlin and I love having it the same place as a great, idea but i must say you know going to a new place is, is also a great opportunity to see a new culture and and languages as well yeah and, and... i think this will be very interesting to many people i also love berlin i, I love the place where it was held uh, but I, i suppose for people who were there for all three times or maybe two twice uh, they uh, you know they will maybe even welcome the possibility to get to know something else sure and uh, the venue where it will be held in Slovakia the economics university is really cool it's an amazing building everything is is huge and spacey uh, there so there's a lot of places to sit down on the grass and you know just have a picnic or whatever so <clears throat> I think people will love that right and also just to just to get to know Bratislava Slovakia many people don't know much about it right Many people yeah, plan to plan to come, but haven't so far, right, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> Oops, I was there. I was there for a very short time. Right, but I mean, <laughs> hopefully you'll you'll make it for longer now, and I'll be glad to to show you Bratislava because sure. I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I love to show foreigners my my country and my city, and I think there's a lot to discover here. Yeah, I'm always excited about going to new places and um, the gathering for those people who might not have uh, been to one yet or or maybe read about it I mean I wrote a lot about it and a lot of the other bloggers also did um, but basically just a four-day language polygon event I guess we can call it you don't have to be a polygon to come or, or enjoy it and for me it's just pure like inspiration enjoyment uh, fun you know just hanging out um, whilst there are also interesting presentations going on and, and anyone can present and you get topics on such a wide variety of of, of, yeah. of themes. You know, you get anything from how to learn a language to an interpreting, interpreting workshop, you know, which was uh, people still talk about your first uh, interpreting oh, really? workshop. <laughs> so It's nice. a funny story, uh, which I guess I can share. The, the first year, that was when you did it, right? That was the first year? No, the second. It was the second year. Okay. Yeah. So the second year, I was well. I never really go to that many talks because I they they're usually posted online afterwards, and I like to just kind of socialize, hang out, and there are a lot of people who come out to these events who I don't get the chance to, first of all, see very often in person, but also talk to online even because because sure. the, they have kids or they're busy, they're working in a company or something. Uh, so I don't usually go to many talks, but that year everyone was just so excited about this interpreting workshop that had been full for a long time, and people were like, "Wow, this is interpreting!" and and Lydia was like the greatest ever, and and so you you were kind of blown up to this uh, mythical figure, and I, I was um, I was like, "Oh wow, Lydia, she she was really impressive," and you know she speaks. Everyone was saying how you speak like tons of languages and. You're you're a really good interpreter as well, and so I didn't really. But I you didn't... see, this is this is very interesting. You know, that's <laughs> a mythical figure, probably because I, I don't think I speak the languages so well. Right. I mean, I'm I'm not like I couldn't interpret all the all the other languages. I I don't think my my skills are particularly good. I mean, at least in comparison to other polyglots. For me, the polyglot gathering was a very humbling experience because I was like, oh my god, wow, these people are so mm. amazing. You know, they speak so many languages and they speak them so well. 
Um, but it's interesting that you're saying that. I I believe it's because uh, they found the content interesting because it was something different. Yeah. I did a I did a polyglot. Um, I, I mean, sorry, I, I did a, an interpreting workshop and an interpreting lecture, which can be found on, found on YouTube. Uh, but the workshop was very different because I made them do exercises that I do with my students, yes. and they practice interpreting. That's, and Benny Louise was one of the one of the students there, by the way. He also enjoyed it. And after the after the workshop, he said, "Okay, now I'm I'm finally convinced that I shouldn't be an interpreter. <laughs> I shouldn't follow that career." That's and now funny. I know why. Yeah. But it's so funny because I never I didn't get the chance to meet you this that year because uh, I didn't go to the workshop because it was full and I didn't go to the interpreting lecture because I I know like Benny found out that I'm not really I don't I don't I don't think I want to and I don't think I really I mean I did I only spoke English, German and Danish at that time so I thought well there are lots of people competing for that anyway so I didn't I didn't even know who you were and then uh, the next year we met by by coincidence uh you came up and said you really love the podcast and i was like oh thank you that's really nice of you to say and then you said i'm lydia and i was like lydia it the, <laughs> you know th that lydia so i was really excited to meet you there and uh, oh really uh, i was excited yeah. to meet you that's well nice to hear. i mean the feeling is mutual it's just a funny story because <laughs> we could have very easily met the first year but yeah. just because of yeah, I don't know, you know, you just seem like you were such a great uh, polygon, so I would feel out of my depth, you know, um, I. but yeah, that's a funny story from, from what really happened That's really interesting, I, I have no idea. Someone else mentioned it to me, like, uh, sometimes it happens, like, at the, in the last gathering, someone met me, like, oh my god, your lady, I saw your talk, it's, it was so cool, it's like, oh, really? I'm, I'm there so you glad. go. This is, it's, it's awesome. It's, they were, uh, they're going to talk about that presentation for years to come. <laughs> oh, that's nice, that's nice. But I, I hope to, you know, I hope to create other presentations that I will also talk about, or maybe they will talk about the gathering, which we are trying to make as good as possible and really uh, up to all standards. So I'm, I'm, I hope that people enjoy the gathering next year and they will talk about that. And yeah, that well, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. So how how are you going to are you going to kind of copy the same uh, uh, what do you call it the template from last year's or are you sure. trying to kind of re re reimagine it or what's the well the thing is we are still closely cooperating with Judith and Chuck. It's still you know it's it's their it's their baby basically the right. Hollywood gathering and they asked us to to do this in Bratislava. So we're closely cooperating and we want to keep the spirit because I I love the Polyglot gathering. I love uh, all the activities which are meant to put the community together and make us hang out together as much as possible. So we are doing all we can to to keep that for sure. But we are also introducing a few new things. So for example, right after the gathering there will be a few one-day and two-day uh, trips that you can take uh -huh. in Slovakia so that you can get to know our country because we we don't only want to show people Bratislava Bratislava is not Slovakia you know? right there's so much more to offer like there's castles and chateaus and ruins and caves and, wow. and mountains like Slovakia is really beautiful so we want to show uh, polyglots a little bit of that and we also think it's a great thing if you if you met some people in the in the gathering then you hang out for two more days you know on a trip you go by bus together and you stay in the yeah. same place so this could be a prolonging of the gathering and of the whole community so the biggest well not the biggest but one of my favorite things about the current gathering is that you kind of stay so close to the venue yeah are you going to make that happen again or are we going to have to uh, make some compromises there yes there will be some compromises but 
<laughs> we were trying to we were trying to make it uh, make it possible for everyone to stay in one place. Unfortunately, this is not possible in Bratislava, uh, or it's not possible at the venue. Um, but we are going. We are now working on uh, figuring out particular hotels and uh, some places which will be like the polyglot hubs. Okay. Know? So we will we will suggest to people to stay in those hotels, and we are also trying to get the best prices negotiating with the hotels. Um, and also there will be Airbnb places, but we want to make the communication of the participants as easy as possible. So it's not like you need to figure out your things for yourself, but hey, there is a group of people who would like to find a oh, flatmate, right. a roommate, etc. Maybe you guys want to get together, etc. Um, and another thing is um, this this venue is really cool and it gives a lot of space, a space to just hang out very comfortably. I mean, there's even bean bags, you know, wow. you can just lie on them in the, in, the, in the corridors. It's really cool. And outside, you can just sit on the grass. Uh, in, at the beginning of June, weather is usually, usually beautiful in Slovakia. So um, people will not necessarily stay together uh, in, the, in the place they sleep, but they can hang out a lot together in, at the venue. There is a huge canteen where we can all gather for meals, etc. So I think there will be that the spirit will definitely be kept. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. That's uh, for me. It's it's not necessarily that you're in the same building, but it's just if there are some kind of social events or hubs, as you say, yes. that people know about, then the kind of socialize uh, socializing will happen anyway. You know, and maybe mm. there's less noise in your uh, around your sleeping areas. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice for sure. Yeah, it's like not too much sleep that week. Uh, I can tell people who are thinking about coming. So. If you definitely need your eight or nine hours, it, it it's very unlikely, but uh, it's worth it, I would say. <laughs> yeah, well, what people sometimes do is that to miss some of the talks or some of the time to you know get together with the other people. But I don't, I don't recommend it. I recommend giving up sleep. Yeah, those days as well. For That's sure, much better. I mean, you can catch up later, right? Yeah, no problem, no problem. So, and I guess the the last uh, note about the gathering is that if people are sitting out there saying. Oh, I have this great idea for a talk or a presentation. Um, can I come and present it? And I guess the answer is, of course, yes. Uh, you can apply to be a, a speaker. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're going to make it uh, very easy for people to apply on the website. There will be a button. I want to present something. So then you just fill out um, a simple questionnaire, and we'll let people know in case. I mean, I suppose there will be a bigger interest because the interest in the polyglot gathering is growing every year. Yeah. Uh, so we need to make sure that we have enough space for all the speakers. But we're probably going to have four speakers at the same time now because wow. the premises enable that. And uh, we, we suppose that there will be more people interested. I mean, in the last gathering, I don't know if you know, uh, there was 350 people. Uh, but one month before the event, the, the tickets were sold out. Yeah. The, the, it was just not possible to, to, to come after that. And uh, which was a pity because I believe many people were waiting to see if they can maybe get some days off from the work, etc. So uh, now this will not be that limited because the premises are really huge. The venue is really vast. So uh, more people can come if they're interested. And yeah, we should have, well, we will most probably have four lines of speakers. Yeah, so we're we're nearing the the conference in size. I guess uh, we had about five hundred or something in in Greece, uh, maybe a little yeah. bit less. So maybe we can rival that. Uh, not that there's any competition, but uh, no, 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 no way. I mean, this is it's awesome to see that the community is growing. Uh, whether they go to the Polyglot Conference or the Polyglot Gathering, which are two events, but very, I mean, the, the community is kind of the same that that goes to both of them. Um, it's it's great to see it's great to see that so so many so many more people are interested in learning languages, and it's beautiful. 
Yeah. It's, uh, it's nice to see that. It, I mean, it, the first gathering changed my life completely. So for me, it's 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 very special. And I, I know that if people go, even if you're not super polyglot-like other people, then just go and, and see what it's all about. Because the just the buzz, and like you say, you were also impressed by people and humbled by, by a lot of talented yeah. speakers. And it just gives you like something to strive towards it just gives you uh, an anchor every year where you can say okay i'm doing spanish now so i can speak to you know, these five people next year and yeah. it's just an incredible experience and 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 i think the biggest thing is that people are just incredibly nice you know it's just great exactly. people uh, many of them are very ambitious you know which i really love to hang out with ambitious people and yeah, it's just a wonderful experience. Well, for me, also, it's it's just so beautiful to see, uh, to meet other people who spend some time learning Slovak. You know, <laughs> right. Because it's, it's such a small language, it's five million people, you know, you don't meet them every day. I mean, there, there are foreigners living in Bratislava, of course, uh, but when you meet someone from Germany or, I don't know, any any other country, and they come to you like, oh my God, you're from Slovakia, and then they say like, ahoj, ako sa maš, or something. It's just so nice, you know, I love it so much, and I, I like to do a little videos with them or something just to show um, also the, the people that follow me in Slovakia like look guys people are learning our language and they're doing a great job yeah. so let's support them yeah that's it's, exciting too it happens great. to me once in a blue moon as well with Danish but uh, it's a little bit it's very rare <laughs> but, uh, but you're never happy with the accent of the people right they never it's not that I'm not happy I just I'm just an honest person you know I just say they if they ask me do it do I have a how's my Danish and I'll say you speak great but your accent is not native you know or it doesn't remind me of anyone close to native and yeah I'm I mean, not, that's not something we would even expect right no exactly from, I, from but I'm not discouraging Danish it words. either I'm just saying that the that the dialect or the accent in Danish is just ridiculously difficult and and, mm -hmm. and it's not something you just learn in a couple of years and you need mm -hmm. to really pay attention to it but um, I try to encourage more than discourage sure. anyway but uh... of course i think you're very encouraging i just <laughs> i just mentioned you. it because you, uh, there was a comment or email or something like that but i believe yeah the danish accent can be quite quite tricky but you see this is this is one thing that also uh, this is how i also explain to people how not to be too strict on themselves and how to not to be afraid to make mistakes right like just think of someone you've met in your life who speaks slovak i mean your mother tongue and there it's very rusty it's like it's it's very weird but you love it still and you yeah. just love listening to them because it's it's just nice and now imagine someone like let's say a french native speaker or a german native speaker hears you speaking their language and is also happy that you put all the effort in it and you're, you're learning the language so yeah. i think it's it's very encouraging to think about it this way for you sure know, like uh, foreigners learning your language this is exactly how other people see you yeah and I think that the in 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 my motivation course that I just put out, I, one of my lectures are called "You'll Never Be Perfect," mm -hmm. and I think that's a helpful thing to keep in mind. Also, that just because you you know work everything you can, you'll never learn everything in Slovak. Exactly. You'll never learn everything in Danish. And yeah. I think really appreciating what you have instead of what you don't have is a huge quality. And and for languages, when you can say one word. People get excited. Like I, I met um, <laughs> uh, a similar, uh, a closely related language. I met a, a Czech couple in Budapest, and I was like, "How do you say hi in Czech again?" And I was like, "Ahoy!" And the, you know, the smile on their faces was like, 
yeah. beaming, right? And I literally only knew that one word, you know, that was it. <laughs> so my point is just that language learning is not something where you, when you know nothing, it's miserable. And when you finally can speak it, you're f home free. No, it's like for every single step along the way, you, you have enjoyment, you have fun, you have uh, improvement. And then when you've made it to a good level, you're never done. You will never be perfect. Exactly. You will never be like, for instance, there are lots of Danish words I don't know. There are lots of English words I don't know. And that's sure. that's just the nature of it. You know, you can't yeah, learn Yeah, I think exactly. I totally agree with you. I think that's not something people should strive for right. because they're never going to be happy about it. Uh, enjoying the way the process of learning is so much more rewarding, so much better. And also, like, there are some, there are times where I, I, I feel like, okay, for now, this is okay. Um, I'm happy with this level right now. Later on, if I feel like I want to keep working on my English, German, etc., um, then I will. But uh, right now, I'll just use the language. I'll be happy with it. So it's, it's, once you have this mindset, you're going to be so much happier in your life. <laughs> right. right. The pressure's off. Yes, and, exactly. And what a beautiful way to end it as well. And yeah. you know, thank you so much for coming on the show and and taking the time to share your story. And if people wanted more information uh, about your language mentoring, what you do, where can they find you? Yeah, well, I have um I have a Slovak website which is jazykovimentoring.sk uh, for those who who understand a little bit of Slovak and my English website which is just basic information about me, just kind of a, a, a business card online <laughs> is uh, languagementoring.com uh, awesome. which I would like to to um, keep working on later on, but right now I'm I'm focusing on the on the Slovak website and on Slovak Facebook and of course on Facebook language mentoring. So feel free to to add me or like the website. I'll be happy to stay in touch. Awesome. And Polygot Gathering is that just polygotgathering.com or? Yes, this will this will be from this week. Uh, you can also find us on polyglotbratislava.com. Oh, okay, great. So That's people can go in and register early, guys. Yes, you know, please come, come to Bratislava, come to Slovakia. We are really excited to welcome anyone who is excited about languages. As uh, Chris mentioned, uh, you don't need to uh, speak many languages. You don't need to, I don't know, more, more than five or something like that. There is no limit. Nope. We are really happy to welcome anyone who likes the process of learning languages and is interested in languages. Yeah, or just hanging out and drinking beers with interesting people. <laughs> yeah, sure, that well. But if someone really hates languages, I don't think they would enjoy the, the gathering. No. So if there's, let's say, this little uh, prerequisite, if you have that, then you're very welcome to join us. And I'm sure you'll love Bratislava and Slovakia, and you'll meet a lot of really nice people. Well, I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, thank you very much for having me. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was uh, great fun. and. Uh, Really happy that we we finally got it made it happen. You know, we've yes, been talking about after it for so a while. many months. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I just cut it there. Thank you for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast. 